Cameron Lemons Devereaux back again with another episode of Inside the Forest. We finally got a game this week, folks. Uh, feels weird after last week. Bye weeks are always something that people don't really know what to do with themselves. Do I go out and try to better myself? Do I sit here and watch nothing but other people play football all week? Do I sleep in? Do I go to movies? What do I do? I pretty much sat around and watched football all, all Saturday. It was glorious. Got Tennessee, Alabama. It was a fantastic game. TCU, Oklahoma State was pretty good. I thought that UNC Duke in 7 o'clock, 7, 7.30 window was a pretty good game. If you stayed up to the nightcap, and I encourage you to do so if you don't already, you missed you. Uh, if you didn't, you missed USC, Utah. Fantastic game. Uh, if you if you missed any of it, go back and watch it. I know it's on YouTube, ESPN. Fantastic game to watch. Uh, came down to the last second. Bunch of ref chicanery going on. It was really, but it was a really fun game. It was a really fun weekend of football to sit back and watch. Granted, Wake Forest didn't play this week, so it's hard to get up here and be like, well, what do I do about, what do I say? Uh, what do I even talk about on the podcast? And I thought it'd be kind of a fun idea to talk about what we saw in the ACC. I watched a bunch of ACC football this uh, on Saturday. Went back today instead of watching the uh, 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. Games. Uh, I'm an Eagles fan, so my team does not play until eight o'clock. So I got a few more hours before I get to be nervous and watch watch them against the Cowboys. So you know, I'm, I I know I watched uh, UNC Duke, watched Clemson FSU, I watched a bit of NC State Cuse, and so you know, for the ones that I had already watched, I kind of flipped through you know, the 30, 40 minute highlights I'll find on YouTube. Went back and actually watched full throughs NC State Cuse and Miami BT today, just kind of see what we learned. So let's jump into it. NC State Cuse is probably where I'll start because that one affected Wake more so than anything else, probably, since that's the news that if you've been living under the rock, Devin Leary is out for the season with a torn pectoral muscle. Um, I had heard that it happened around Tuesday or so, that he was good, that it was going to be a lot longer than just one week. I didn't know the exact thing was a torn pack, but I had heard he was going to be out for a while. But I was shocked that they have, that he's going to be out for all year. But I mean, they found something else, and I mean, I hope the best for Larry. I don't know if he'll be. I don't know if he has eligibility back um, to come back next year. I don't think he does. Um, it's just a bad way to end his career. If it, if it is bad way to end what seemed to be a still promising season for NC State, they looked still. Poise, even though I was a lot lower on NC State than a lot of people, both before, during, and after Devin Leary went down, I thought they still had the potential to be a 10-win team this year. And oof, I mean, they they went from like a nine, 10 win team to seven. Like seven is a is a massive stretch for them. Seven slash eight is a massive stretch for them right now. Uh just so you Remember, NC State already has five wins. So the rest of their schedule is a bye week this week, and then they host Virginia Tech. Then Wake comes to Raleigh the week after that. They host Boston College. They go to Louisville, and then they end the season at UNC. I mean, rivalry games kind of are what they are. I think they beat Virginia Tech, and I think they beat Boston College. I know I know the offense is just really bad, but I think they beat those two. And, you know, rivalry games are always kind of wonky, but – it's hard to have any faith with this team right now, just of how bad this offense looked. And I think part of it was because Syracuse was decent, but I mean, they just looked like they were trying to fit a square peg in the round hole. It looked like Tim Beck, who I'm just notably down on. It looked like Tim Beck just 
said, this is my offense. I'm going to run this. I'm going to just not adjust at all. They don't have any sort of deep threats on that team. There's no one on that. Um, there's no right receivers on that team that can win vertically a fair amount of time, maybe once or twice a game, but no one can sit there and stretch the field for them. They were without one of their top running backs in Demi Sumo. The offensive line isn't playing as well as I think they hoped going into the season. The defense is starting to show cracks part of it because I think there are just certain parts of it that just weren't great. And part of it because they weren't, they're just trying to push a lot harder because they know that the defense needs to show up. I, but during the halftime interview, um, going into the halftime interview with Dave Doran, they they asked him about, about you know, the defense and everything and, and well, basically getting points on the board. And he's like, yeah, our defense has got to get some points on the board. And, I, it, and it wasn't like a Freudian slip of, oh, we think our need, we think our, we need our defense to score. It was a, oh, no, I, I, I'm pretty sure he is actually meaning he needs the defense to get a scoop and score here. That's the way they think they're going to put points on the board. They don't have any sort of trust in their offense to put points on the board besides maybe Chris Dunn, the, the kicker. It that team, it's it's ACC Iowa. That's essentially what it is right now. It's a miserable offense, a defense that's pretty good and opportunistic, but the second that they aren't being opportunistic, that team looks really bad. On the other side of the ball, I I broke down, I have no earthly idea what Cuse is. I think I know what Cuse is. I think Cuse is just slightly better FSU. I think they're they have a quarterback that is pretty athletic, has made some good throws. I think Vink Trader has had some some really good throws. Can throw you out of a game though. I think Trader has. There were a few throws in that game where I was like, "Gary, you sure you want to throw that? Like, you, are you positive you want to throw that ball?" And it was right after like a really good throw too, both times, and. That's kind of been the story with them. They don't really have they have Gadsden at wide receiver, who's I, I put him on my midseason all ACC team. Thought he's been really good. I don't think they have really anyone else besides that, though. That's kind of like FSU of I think FSU has Johnny Wilson and like a couple guys that can like kind of stand out, kind of flash for you, but nothing too sustainable. There's nothing that seems like, oh, well, I'm frightened of this wide receiver board. It's like, no, I'm frightened of one guy, and that's really about it. Running games pretty good you know fsu does it on the really on the strength of two three backs i guess you could call it syracuse does it on the strength of two or three backs because i think you would qualify garrett schrader as a back but sean tucker is one of the best running backs in the acc uh really played well yesterday always always impressed when i watch when i watch him so yeah i mean offensive line not the best i think i think they look like a healthier healthier um fsu in terms of looking at the offensive line like okay cool at least they're competent, and I can't say, "Hey, just run a run a a, a slant on the run a a stunt on this guy, and he's going to fall over." And the offensive line's better. The defense, I, I like the defensive side of the ball for Cuse. I like the pieces, especially at linebacker. Uh, the corners are decent. More than these, I think they're pretty they're, they're good. But my hesitation right now is, you know, what has Cuse really played in terms of offenses? They play Louisville. Who's meh, and even first game of the season, I wasn't I wasn't impressed with what Louisville had at wide receiver going into the season, and even before the guys went down, it, it weren't impressive. UConn next, Purdue fine. Uh, I, I think Purdue is. I know according to SP Plus, um, shout out Bo Connolly is a is a better team 
and especially especially offensively. But I don't think that they're a team that is necessarily. I'm not frightened when I see Purdue. I think Purdue is a team that can put up 20, 30 points a game. But I don't think that's a team that I'm just that they don't strike fear into me. And when I look into when I look at that game as a whole, you know, Aiden O'Connell still put up. I mean, it was on 60 throws, on 56, not 60, but 60 throws still put up 400 yards through the air, three touchdowns and pick. Charlie Jones had 11 catches for 188. I don't really like the rest of the wide receiving core for for Purdue. I think it's really just Aiden O'Connell and Charlie Jones show. They can't really run the ball all that well. They can run the ball fine, but they're not someone that I'm going to say, hey, this is a dominant rushing team. Like Maccabee's fine for Purdue. So I, I think I think Purdue's probably the best team they've played offensively, but it's not a team that I'm – they're not close to Wake Ford. I, if I put Wake and Purdue's offenses side by side, I take Wake's 17 times out of 10, maybe 18. I – I did. So I think they played a fine Purdue offense, and Purdue also scored twenty points in the fourth. Let's not forget about Purdue. Purdue maybe could have should have won that game. <laughs> it was a wacky game towards the end. Uh, Cuse has also played UVA, who's just bad this year. UVA is just outright bad. Call a spade a spade. Wagner, okay, and NC State, who was already a middling offense at best with Leary, and now they had they were down Leary and their best running back. I don't think they've played a good offense. And I think that's kind of similar to what I saw with FSU and FSU was quietly statistically a really good defense for the first four weeks. And then we saw them against Wake and it looked like they didn't know what to do about a lot of stuff. Um, I think that's, a, I think they're essentially just a little healthier version of, of FSU, which is, you know, good and well, bad. I'll start with the bad. It's a little bad in terms of, Hey, like, I don't know if what you're doing is sustainable. And I don't know if you we're gonna we're still gonna learn a lot about Hughes in the next few weeks. The fact that they have Clemson on Saturday. And then what's their schedule? Let's pull this up really quick. They have, I know they have Hughes this week, and then they go, then they go, they host Notre Dame. So I mean they should beat Notre Dame, but who knows? I mean, playing a physical team is never fun. Go to Pitt. Pitt's been an annoying team to deal with all year. I have no idea how to evaluate that Pitt team right now. Florida State, so a little Spider-Man meme match. Love love that. Um, at Wake and then Boston College. I mean, this next four weeks, we I, I thought it was going to be a five-week stretch until Leary went down. Next four weeks, we, we're probably going to learn a lot about the Syracuse team. Um, I think they're a fine team. I think they're probably, if I had to peg them right now, would be a eight win team. I think they beat Florida state. And I think, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure they, I'm not sure. I mean, you're never sure about anything, but I lean heavily that they beat Boston college. And I think they could steal one not steal, but I think they come out one of Notre Dame and Pitt. So I can see them being an eight, maybe nine win team and being a very respectable team. But I think, but I think it's something that we still haven't learned a whole lot about them yet. So it's a little hard to be like, this is going to be a, re- a really good team. And I'm like, I just we don't know. They just haven't really played a lot of teams, which is no fault of theirs. Like they're not, they don't, they didn't know Louisville would fall apart most of this year. They didn't know Purdue would be kind of up and down. Purdue should be ranked. I think Purdue's a better team that people give them credit for. I think Purdue very much should be ranked, but I don't know in terms of like an offense. I don't know. Um, so yeah, moving on to UNC Duke. Kind of a banger. It was kind, kind of a fun game. 
for the Duke side, I thought Duke, they're ahead of schedule. I don't think they're a good team yet. I think they're a team that has officially reached pain in the ass level. Like they, they're a team that you're like, you're probably going to win. You're probably, you're probably going to expect weight to win by 14, 17 points, probably at the end of the day, but it's going to be a frustrating 14, 17 points. You're going to come out there and be like, man, this, that was, that was annoying. And that was a really annoying game. We just played right there. I don't think, I think they have a, a good amount of talent at their starter level, but I think the drop off from their starters to what they have right now, especially due to the injuries and just due to roster churn isn't good. There were some, there were some guys out there that just shouldn't have been playing on the, on an ACC level for Duke on ACC level. And they played for Duke last, last, last night. And I, I think that's an important distinction. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how they, if they can sustain this down the stretch of playing that way. I think, I think Elko has gotten them. I think Elko has gotten them to buy in, but buy in isn't everything. They still have to survive stuff. Like, I mean, they're, they, I think open at 10 point, 10 point dogs to Miami. I think it's been bet down to nine. I got it at 10, but so they have, they have to go to Duke this week, a buy, then to Boston college, which I they should win host VT at Pitt and then finish the season um, with Wake Forest coming to, coming to Durham. I mean, Duke, one, two, three, four. This Duke team could be a ball, could be a ball team. If they, if they don't mess around with, with Boston College and VT, they could sit there and be a six and 16 year one, and which would be a rousing success. Um, I don't think that seven and five is out of the question. I think they can beat this Miami team. I really think they can. I don't think they can beat Pitt. I don't think that I don't think that Wake Forest has much problem. I think they have an annoying game with, with Wake, but I don't think it'll be one of those games that Wake is generally in control of most of the game, but you're just not really feeling comfortable about it. But yeah, I think that's a team that could be a solid, solid team. I mean, I think that running game is is legit. I think they can legitimately run the ball against most teams. Passing game's a little, little hit or miss, and I but I think they benefit a lot from UNC just being course on defense but hey, it's, it's it's there you and see <laughs> what am, what am i going to do with this team I, the obvious is they can't play defense they can't they 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 can't play defense at all i i talked about how good duke was offensively per game on paper.com epa per play for duke 98th percentile yards per play 88th percentile. EPA per rush, 99th percentile. EPA per dropback, 73rd percentile. Ex- explosive play rate, 90th percentile. That just can't happen. Like, Duke, like they are a substantially more quote-unquote talented team than Duke. That continuously, that they were continuously being gashed and gashed and gashed by this Duke team. And again, Duke is, an, is a better team than I think we all pegged them to be at the beginning of the year. But good lord, <laughs> this is like that's not good. It's not good at all. You got guys making business decisions. Yeah, you got cornerbacks making business decisions on whether or not they want to tackle somebody. You got guys just bumping into each other on routes, um, like trying to cover a route. That defense, I mean, they got they got to the quarterback and they got to the running backs in the backfield a little bit here and there. But like, good lord. Man, out of 73 plays, you generate, Duke ran 73 plays 
uh, last night. UNC generated two pass, two tackles for loss. They generated three havoc plays. No. No. You know, I Duke did the same thing. Duke had four havoc plays created on 71 plays uh, and four tackles for loss generated. So they doubled you up on tackles for loss. That's not great for Duke, but you got doubled up by Duke on that sense. That's bad. That's that's not something you can – I don't know if that's fixable. Like that, this year, I don't know if that's fixable at all. I think that Drake May is a, is, has been a better-than-expected quarterback coming into this season. I mean, he's a true freshman, and I know he's a five-star, but everyone has their ups and downs, and you never know. I think last night was a little bit of a middling game for 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 Drake May. I think he I think he he took some sacks. He there were some sacks that were not on that on that UNC offensive line, which I have a lot of issues with. But at least from at least from a PFS perspective, I pull up right now. Drake May got um, yeah Drake May those sacks they put all the sacks on him. They put every single sack on him. There I'm I'm looking at the blocking numbers right now. They they put the sacks on him. They put the sacks on him, and that's not entirely great to see. Like he, there were a lot of times he was holding he was holding the ball just a little bit too long. He was just kind of buffering, and I know he made some throws. I mean, he has an insane cast. Like that cast of, of wideouts is you know, a wideout slash tight ends. I guess he's insane. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm the one thing I have a question about is for Drake May is what happens when guys start bringing pressure? What happens when you're playing better defenses than you have been playing? It the, the thing is, it it hasn't been good for it hasn't been necessarily good. Like, I mean, obviously, every every person, every quarterback isn't necessarily good, isn't necessarily like a star player. When you come when you when you come out from a pressure and you face them with a great defense, but I mean I made this I made this note in the my midseason all um all ACC team was the fact that you know Drake May had quote unquote seventeen for thirty two three hundred one yards and five touchdowns against the best defense he's played still played in Notre Dame this year. And that was you know if you take that that's that line at face value, that's really good. The thing that's that's kind of hidden inside of that is 197 and three of those touchdowns. I'm sorry, excuse me, 197 yards and three of those touchdowns came after they were they went down 24 points, which is garbage time. They were essentially in garbage time and then went, all right, Drake, here you go. Just spin it. Like that, like that is it, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad quarterback, but you got to start taking things when when someone's doing stuff in garbage time. That's not good. He was being he was being shut down until garbage time. Like if you're if you're telling me that this guy sat there and only threw for 104 yards until four minutes and 20 seconds left in the third quarter, that's that dude wasn't having a good day, and just kind of garbaged his he kind of Matt Stafford his way into into being the looking like he had a much better game than he actually did. And I felt like last night he did, he had kind of an average game and, you know, we were, it, I think we're going to start to see a lot more of 
people dialing up blitzes and dialing up pressure and making sure that Drake May's off balance. And I mean, yeah, he can he has some wheels and you can't necessarily just say like he's not a statue back there. You can run. But I think as he plays some better defenses, I think we see these numbers not be as good. And part of it is just because he's a freshman. Like he's got it. The wheels are still turning a little bit too slow up there. And it doesn't mean he's not a good quarterback. I just have a lot of questions about the fluff that he can get with these yards. I know there was someone that had posted his stat totals against, you know, CJ Stroud. And I think it was Hendon Hooker was the other one, or maybe Bryce Young. And I kind of went, cool. These guys have been, these guys basically get two, three quarters. While Drake Mays having essentially battled back and forth for four quarters a game for all seven of his games, like that's a that's a massive difference. <laughs> like if I'm sitting here watching C.J. Stroud have two two and a half quarters, they're running the ball for a quarter or so because they're up fifty six to ten. The way to if if they if C.J. Stroud was actually in a a back and forth game, he'd probably put up four four fifty. Mm-hmm. He'd probably put up 400, 450 yards, and you'd be like, okay, cool, fine. But he's not doing that, so I don't. That's why I, get, I have a little bit of trouble just saying raw stats because there's a lot of context that goes context that goes into these raw stats. I think the running backs on that team are kind of mad. They really haven't been able to run the ball a whole lot the last few um, last well this year really. We've had a couple games where they where they've exploded, but as a whole, they, running the ball has been something that's been brought up by Mac Brown because they can't really run the ball. I mean, last night. They were in the 48th percentile. He's, excuse me, uh, 46th percentile. Gave him too much credit. My bad. They're in the 46th percentile in EPA per rush. They, they couldn't run the ball, and that's been a bit of glaring issue for them. You know, a lot of people just don't have the horses to cover them in the back end. But you know, if you start playing some teams, do what's going to happen. This is the the kind of comparison that this team really gives me, and. I, I don't mean this in a derogatory way at all. It feels a lot like last year's Wake team in a lot of ways. It feels like a team that has struggled a bit with some teams that it had no business struggling with. And if you remember last year's Wake team, they really had no business struggling with that Louisville team. They had no business struggling with that Syracuse team, just like UNC had honestly this year. UNC had absolutely no business struggling with that with Duke, um, like with Duke last night. They didn't. They struggled with Florida A&M. Florida A&M, like that wasn't great. They struggled with that. Struggled with Georgia State. They struggled with Miami. Like they're they're playing with a whole bunch of fire in a lot of these games that should be blowouts. And then they have you know one game that's kind of a blowout. You know Wake has the FSU game. UNC has the Virginia Tech game. You think you know. Everything's fine. They have a couple games where you think the defense is doing a lot better, UVA and, and FSU for Wake last year, Virginia Tech, and honestly, Miami two weeks ago for UNC's defense. That's where you thought, hey, you know, maybe this defense is uh, it's turning around. They take a loss to a team that, in all honesty, probably shouldn't have taken a loss to. That Notre Dame team, that Notre Dame team looks really bad right now. That team just lost to a team that's only other win this year was Colgate, the toothpaste. We don't lose the food and we don't lose the toothpaste. Like you, you lost pretty handily to that Notre Dame team. Garbage time made that score look way closer than it actually was. Just like Wake lost to UNC last year. And I think we all can agree Wake shouldn't have lost that game. That that was a game you run that back multiple times and you go, yeah, Wake had no business losing that game for the second year in a row. 
And so and I think it's a team that has a pretty good offense. You know, there are some holes, some places on the offense, but as a whole, the offense is, if you need a bucket, that offense can go out there and most of the time get you a bucket. They can go out there and give you a touchdown. And I think the defense is has its moments of, of brilliance, but more often than not, it's not going to be what you need in that situation. And that's and that substantially lowers the ceiling of your team. However, the offense does bail you out enough and you're playing enough crappy teams that it doesn't matter. Like I think the, I think the AC, the top of the AC Atlantic last year with, with wake and Clemson and NC state were really, were, you know, pretty good teams. I think they were all top 15, top 20 teams. After that, I don't think Syracuse was a good team. I don't think Louisville was a good team. Boston college FSU. I don't, I didn't think UVA was all that good last year either. I said that last year. And I'll say it again this year. I didn't think UVA was all that great last year. And I think UNC is kind of doing the same thing this year. You know, they get Florida AM, who's not a good team. App State. App State had that Texas AM one, and it was really fun. It's still really fun to laugh at Texas AM about that. App State is kind of kind of mid this year. Georgia State, not a good team. Virginia Tech, a terrible team. Miami, not a good team this year. Duke, like pain in the ass but not good like this is like they're they're they've been getting away with playing a lot of mid to bad teams and you know they get a little they get another one of those in, in Virginia on November 5th what does pick give them next week I have no idea how to how to evaluate that pick t- that pit team like I don't know what they, it's, they they're good that they have a bye this week for UNC but that next game with Pitt I got no idea man new idea Wake Forest, I mean, that that should be a game. I think right now, if you average average you know, projection systems, Wake is favored by about six or seven points in that game. Georgia Tech, I have no idea what Georgia Tech's going to look like in that game. No idea. Same with NC State. But this team is 6-1. and one, been playing a bunch of mid-to-bad teams, and I think if they end up being a 10-win, 11-win team, 9-10, I, think I, think, I don't think 11. I don't think they end up hitting 11. I think 9-10 is a more reasonable ceiling for this team. They end up being a nine ten team, and you go, "Wow, they were you know they, they end up with ten wins." And I go, "Look who they played. <laughs> it was bad. I mean, teams they played were bad." And I think that was something that Wake benefited from last year. And some and look, you can't help who you beat. If you've asked Wake last year, cool, it's fine. You, you it's hard to win football games. But also, if I'm trying to compare them to another team, I go, "I don't know if they're all that good, man." And I have that feeling with UNC. I'm gonna kind of speed run through the next two games because. There's not a whole lot to talk about with those two. Clemson FSU, Clemson just started playing with their food. They missed so many tackles in that game. They they missed so many tackles. They played like crap, and they still kind of handled FSU. I think per game on paper, I think I think it ended up being a eighty percent win probability for Clemson at the end of that game. Yeah, no, it was it no that that wasn't close. I think it's been a theme for FSU is the last three teams didn't play their best football. And still won. And I'm not saying FSU played their best football, but FSU isn't having this issue of clustering. Like FSU will just have these like five to six drives of just both of them. Like I would say probably combined eight drives of from combined from their offense and their defense put together for maybe two quarters that they just get their doors blown off. And then the rest, the rest of the half, they're like, the rest of the game. It's like, well, at the beginning of the game, they're coming out on fire. They're scrambling to come back at the end of the game and they go, 
okay, cool. Do that over the entire game. The fact that they're doing them in clusters is really hurting that FSU team because it's if you're up, you know, 10 nothing, and then you have a 50, you have a 20 minute sequence where you get down 38 14, and you're like, oh, it's a quarter and a half left. You're you're playing a negative game script at that point. That's not that's not that's not sustainable. You're not gonna come back and win these games. You might come back and make it closer, but you're not gonna come back and win these games. And that's what that keeps happening at FSU. Um, I think not them not quitting is very important, but they could they could have quit at any point in time these last three games. They haven't, especially with all the injuries and everything. They they have not quit. And I think that's important. I can see them rattling off a few wins and being a seven-win team, which is an improvement for them. But I mean, they gotta they need to just be consistent, whether it's consistently something over the entirety of a game, because it ain't it. I Clemson, I mean, DJ looks like an above average quarterback, which is what they needed. Shipley looked monstrous. The, the defense, the defensive line started teeing with the Monstars, as I call them, started teeing off on the offensive line for, for FSU, which is just bad at this point. I think an interesting point is Wake held FSU's running back to about five yards carry. Clemson held them to, I think, 7.1 yards a carry. So and that's where I'm like, Clemson didn't play all that well, but hey, you cluster things, you cluster things badly, but is what it is. Miami VT. I don't know why I watched this game. I, I don't know why I watched this game. I wish someone had told me to not watch this game. <laughs> this was a terrible game to watch. For the, I don't think anyone left this game happy. Like, I think Miami fans and Miami and Mario and everyone just kind of went like, woohoo, we won. Yay. Like, there wasn't, there was nothing that felt you could build off of, like, you could build off of it. Miami started off, Miami started off hot in the game. And then the offense just stopped working. <laughs> like, they let a bad VT team come in and, and just work their way back in and get a couple, get some stops in. And you just go, like, what are you doing, Miami? Not just the fact that you're like Miami, but it's it's more so this team is just bad. I don't, Tyler Van Dyke, cool. You made some good throws and the, okay, cool. You scored what two, three touchdowns the entire game against a bad against a bad VT team. You should you should be balling on them. <laughs> like I don't like I don't I go, ooh, you did great there. So has literally every other quarterback that's faced them. Good job, buddy. Good job. Um the rivals Colby Young looked fine for Miami, but again, VT's Defense DBs are just not good. Like I don't just I just know what I can take away good from from this from Miami. Like Godspeed the rest of the season, man. You you guys got to figure that out. BT just well the, okay. The last time I say on Miami, they just looked undisciplined, which is really weird for a Mario Cristobal team. He's offensively and defensively, they just looked undisciplined. I don't know if it's just I can't even call it a sleepy game, but it was what twelve thirty. Um, man, it was. I, they just look they just look sloppy. VT, stop playing Grant Wells, man. I, I don't care if the guy behind him is worse. DFS community tried to tell you about Grant Wells. He's not good. If your rationale with the quarterback is he hasn't thrown an interception and looks really good, but we just don't know until we get hit. That's that's really bad rationale of playing a guy, of, of saying this guy is going to be our starter because he's been getting hit. And he's been real bad. He's taken sacks to take him out of field goal range. I think it was the second time in two games that he's taken a sack at the end of the half that kicked them out of field goal range. He, I mean, he didn't throw a pick this game, but he's known to do it. He, he, if you, that's the king of throwing you out of game is 
is actually Grant Wells. Grant Wells will sit there and just throw some balls that you have no idea why he did it. Oh, um, I mean, it's hard to see them winning another game on their schedule this year. It it is it is really really hard to see them. Maybe the v, maybe the UBA game because UBA also looks terrible. But I mean, at NC State, hosting Georgia Tech at Duke at Liberty, and then they host UBA. Man, I mean, Georgia Tech looks inspired. I don't know how they move the ball at all against NC State. If I'm call, if I'm being honest here, Duke looks more than competent. Not just because Liberty took weight to to the brink, but I think Liberty is just more talented team than Virginia Tech at this point. Like I would rather be playing Virginia. I'd rather have played Virginia Tech a couple weeks ago than I would have been playing Liberty. And I would have probably said that beforehand. Like they look bad. And then, you know, rivalry games again look awful. I'm a little, I'm a little, what do you call it? Skeptical on this team right now. It's not so much on the coaching hire. I think we, and this is a good way to kind of end this sort of segment. I take not a whole lot about first year head coaches seriously at all. There's a whole bunch of stuff you got to do. You got to get buy-in. There's got to be talent. There, there's a reason this guy got, there's a reason the guy before you got fired slash left. If they left because, you know, a higher paying job, cool, fine, whatever. But as we saw in the case of, say, Brent Venables, the margins were razor thin. That defense is still atrocious, but we saw the margin. The question going for Oklahoma going into the year was, what happens if Dylan Gabriel gets hurt? Well, we saw what happens when Dylan Gabriel gets hurt. That offense can't move. Dylan Gabriel immediately comes back. You know, Kansas defense isn't exactly, you know, UGA 2021, but they sat, they sat there and, and threw up 50 plus points on, on Kansas magically a week after they couldn't move the ball at all on Texas. And magically after once uh, Dylan Gabriel got hurt against TCU, and I think TCU is a good defense, they couldn't do anything. I mean, the margins are razor thin. There aren't really schools around the country that can survive a quarterback being injured. Honestly, Wake is one of the only ones. Like, if UGA's quarterback is that's been a guy injured right now, I think UGA would be would be worried, man. I know he's been a game manager. They'd be worried. We saw what happened to Bama a couple weeks ago when Bryce Young went down for really a, a game and a half, the Arkansas game and the Texas A&M game. Milrow looks awful, and Milrow was, what, the high four-star, five-star guy? Like, I think Ohio State would be worried. I know Michigan would be worried. They they're operating on weird margins with with JJ McCarthy now, and, and you want them to go back to Cade McNamara, who is just considerably worse. Eh? Like schools around the country aren't able to handle that, and I think that was what happened to Oklahoma. You know, you have your good parts of you know USC out west with Lincoln Riley and the transfer portal all stars. That's a big reason why they've been so decent this year. I want to see how they probably progress the rest of the year. Um, there's a lot of talent, but the the questions are going to come when they play more physical teams like they did with Utah, like they're going to do with Oregon of, Hey, you guys have a really shoddy offensive line and really shoddy tackling tacklers back there. It's going to happen there. You have your teams like you, like UVA and VT and Duke that the talent was just bare. And the thing with Duke is someone's got to win these games. I mean, I look at Duke's schedule. I'm not exactly, I'm not exactly saying that they've been playing the, they've been playing a bunch of aliens. Like, I mean, they play Temple who's bottom, 25 team, if not worse. Northwestern's bottom 25 team in C A and T. They lost to Kansas. 
They beat UVA, who is probably a bottom 40, bottom 30 team. Lost Duke, lost to UNC. And so that's my kind of my question for Duke moving forward is I think they're going to be a pain in the ass team, but how much of what you're doing is a is a is partially because or how much of it is because you've been playing these teams that are just bad. And same thing with and I think the running, I think the running tack is legit, but how much of your running tack has been you've been playing a bunch of teams that are bad, and then you just played a team that was really bad at defending the run. And you look at you know BT and UVA of these covers were bare. I was not, I, I didn't necessarily feel that high on the UVA receivers last year. I thought a lot of what they played was a bunch of backyard football. And, and you know, when things break down, it's a jailbreak scenario. They look a lot, they looked great making those catches. Now they're being in it, trying to be put in actual pro style offense and in structure. They look bad. They're like maybe that's an indictment more of the wide receivers just not being that talented. Maybe it's you, you thrive in chaos, which is fine. It makes for a fun college football offense. But, you know, when you're actually trying to make people play in an actual offense, ugh, like, like, that's a, like, that's a, that's a you problem. Like, you, Wicks being leading the league and drop, leading the, the country and drop percentage, that ain't coaching. That's just you regressing. That's just you just being bad at that point. So, but I think as a whole, we just, year one is whatever. Unless you're sitting there going from a program that's eight and four to like an 0 and, 0 and 12 team. It's it's fine. Give them you got you got to give them a few years to figure out what they need to figure out, especially if they're a first time head coach. Um, some teams have made bigger investments in everything else around football, cough cough Duke, than say DT or UVA has, which is really weird to say. But Duke has put a lot of money into football, and it's showing. So, I think you know there's going to be some hard decisions of how much money is getting put into football for UVA and for VT and, you know, what does it take to get the right sort of staff there, whether not just not head coach, but like a rapid support staff, straight conditioning, getting people from the portal, all that, all that stuff. So I think people will be fine. You know, I think, I just think your one's just a garbage year. And so with that, we'll take a word from our sponsors. Looking ahead to Boston College Week. Man, this team is, is injured, and they're just playing terrible. They're just playing terrible football. So going into Saturday, because I didn't pull the numbers from after Saturday's games, but going into Saturday, here's how they were offensively. Points, uh, points per game, 113th in the country at 20 points per game. Total offensive yards, 305, which is 119th in the country. Total passing yards per game, 74th in the country. Pass, uh, total rushing yards, 131st in the country. There are 131 FBS teams, by the way. Yards per rush, 130. If sacks allowed, 126. First downs per game, 118. Third down conversions, 120. Fourth down conversions, 98. Uh, def- defensively, you know, look at maybe they're better on that side of the ball. Points per game allowed, 29, 86 in the country. Yards per game allowed, 66. So better. Uh, passing games allowed. Passing yards allowed per game, 56. Rushing yards per game allowed, 81st. I think this is a bit of a this is a bit of a army situation where I think they're a little bit better on the ground than army, but teams are just gashing them so badly on the ground. They're giving up 153 yards per game on the ground that teams are only need to pass for up 219 yards per game through the year. Like, I think that's a really big point. Uh, Reds up third down conversions, you know, 36.4%, 55th. So about, about FBS average, FBS average, excuse me. 
red zone conversion percentage, you know, T90 tied 95th at 87.5%, letting the points on almost 90% of people's drives in the red zone, really bad. Uh, 114th in turnover margin at negative five penalties per game. They're third, tied for 34, so you know they're they're decent there. Um, yeah, I they they just they they aren't they aren't a good team. They they're just not a good team right now. Part of it is the offensive line. They they've been fielding out essentially an FCS roster at offensive line. Like it looks like the 2015, 20 maybe early ish in 2016. Wake Forest offensive line, like it's not good. It's it's just not a good roster on that on that line. They've just been dealing with a bunch of injuries, whether it's um Christian Mahogany to towards ACL playing pickup basketball, Ozzy Trapio, who's been injured. You know, it, they've just they've just been then it's a bunch of just freshmen and walk-ons and or guys who just really shouldn't be playing on the offensive line, which is tough. I um, mean, Zay Flowers has been has been good. Um, I know I think their tight end George Takax got uh, got banged up for a couple games. I don't know if we'll be back for this game, but we'll be talking to AJ Black uh, in a couple of days. So hopefully we get the scoop there. And the offense, they just can't run the ball. Part of that because they can't block, but they also just can't really run the ball. Um it's the offense just looks Phil, Phil just doesn't look like the same quarterback. Like there, he's just he's missing throws, he's missing reads. Throwing bad, throwing bad throws, like it's tough. Tough I hear for him. Defensively, it's. I mean, I think they have a really good guy in Donovan. Um, I'm gonna, I'm going to butcher his last name. I'm so sorry. Um, Azariaku, um, he's one of the better players on that defensive unit and maybe in the in the ACC so we'll hear a lot more about him. I think he's been he's been really good. Uh PFF loves him, you know, 28 tackles, six mixed um four and a half times for loss, two forced fumbles, 18 pressures, you know, almost a 90 according to PFF. Um in terms of run defense, he's been really good um defensively. Yeah. I think it's better. I think the defense is better than last year than when Wake went up there and played Boston College. I think because they're not playing, sitting here trying to make offensive linemen defensive linemen like they were trying to last year. Um, I think the defensive line is is a lot better. I think they have a really huge problem at defensive tackle because they have an injury to start or starting starting nose tackle, which has been making them really susceptible to the run. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, hint, hint. Um, it could be another Justice Allison game. But, you know, I think that I think that they have at least some guys in the offensive line that can make some noise a little bit on, you know, the linebackers in the, in the corners. I mean, Cam Arnold, they can, I think they got four or five guys that can really they play. Cam Arnold's one of the better players I've seen. Uh, Benny De Palma has been has been better for them. But I think people are really starting to attack guys like. Bryce Steele and, and Blackwell and, and Jalen Blackwell um, in coverage. I know Wake picked on Bryce Steele a bunch last year. I think they're going to try to do that again this year. He, I don't know if he, I just don't know if he's able to cover at this point. I think he's really good in the run game, but I, I think they have, uh, I, I think they're going to, I think they're going to, they're going to try to, I think they're going to try to pick on him a little bit. Um, I think they're really going to try to him and not pick on him. I think they're trying to pick on why I like De Palma. I think they're going to try to pick on De Palma as well. Um, Steele's been really good in the in sort of pass rushing situations, though. So I'm so I'm intrigued about that. 
but it's hard to be. I, I think I like the defense a lot better than I like the offense this year for Boston College, but it's a really low bar for the offense right now. They are it's Zay Flowers and a bunch of prayers at this point. The corners have been have been up and down. Um, no one really tested them all year. Like if you look at their, I think schedules can tell a hell of a story um, with with a lot of teams. And look at look at Boston College schedule up until this year. Rutgers bad at throwing the ball. Virginia Tech, who beat them, not good at throwing the ball. Maine, not a good team. Florida State, first good team they played, tested them through the air. Um, I'm going to skip over the Louisville game for a second because I'm pulling up the game on paper because that game was a menace to me. But, I mean, Clemson Clemson pretty much had their way with them last week. So not really surprised to – not really surprised to see them really kind of do what they want there. But let's pick, let's let's pull up the game on paper for this little for this Louisville BC game. That was just an abomination to watch. Louisville should be fired into the sun for this game. It was it was so bad. Um, yeah, I mean Louisville just didn't do anything well. Like Louisville somehow scored thirty three points, and at no point of that game were you like, huh, oh, like they're doing they're doing anything well, like. Lick Cunningham was 19 for 28 for 186 and a touchdown. He also ran for 62 yards and three touchdowns. They couldn't run the ball. I, I'm I'm so really confused as to – I mean, that's part of the reason why I don't think they have good wide receivers is because Boston College, whose corners aren't really the best, essentially just shut down Hudson, um, um, Amari Huggins, Bruce, Marshawn Ford. Like, they just shut them down in that game. And I think partially because Louisville's – Wide receivers just aren't good. I think guys are gonna. I think Wake's gonna try to pick on a little bit of Mari Jackson. Um, I'm wondering who gets the the At Perry assignment. I know um, Amari Jackson's a a guy that they they don't really want to play a whole ton, and Wake also a former Wake offer from uh, from Georgia. I don't know. I whew, I let's see if they get CJ Burton back um, because they they're. They're going to have a huge test this week. And, you know, one of the things that Boston College has done because they so what they do is they usually play a like a cover one shell. So podcasting is a visual medium. Uh, So if you're playing cover one, what you're essentially saying is I have one free safety up high. I have two corners sort of fanned out to the edge to the the boundaries. And I have a strong safety that's probably going to play you know, maybe a nickel, sort of a Kobe Davis type of player. Since they don't trust their corners on islands right now because they have been getting burnt like that, instead of going from a cover from a cover one, they've gone to more of a more of a cover two, sort of cover four. It's just really they're playing a lot more zone. Now, if you've listened to me, if you've listened to what if you've read what I've written the last two weeks, whether it's been FSU or whether it's been Army, you cannot play zone on this team. You cannot play zone against Wake Forest. They are going to run the ball all over you and they are going to pass the ball to literally just, they're going to death by a thousand cuts with AT and Keyshawn and Donovan Green. They're just going to consistently just go, here you go. I'll take 11 yards all day. I'll take these six. I'll take the eight yard game. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. They are going to just needle you down consistently. And I think that's a massive problem going for a team that Wake is just better than. At every, I think in every facet right now, Wake is just, there's not a single position on the field that I'd go, I want Boston College's per- personnel 
versus Wiggs and, and matchup wise. I think you know Wiggs wide receivers versus Boston College's corners. Wakes run deep run offense versus Boston College's run defense. Wakes like there's there's not a matchup that I'd go. I'd favor Boston College in this, and I think a big old factor of this, especially on the offense side of side of the ball, is going to be because they are going to probably have to play a lot of zone, unless they really feel like they can play man. If they think they can play man, Donovan Donovan Green and Jamal Bain has got something to say about that. That's it's kind of it. I really. I think this is a game that, and we're going to kind of transition a little bit to the bigger product product of the season. This is the first big test of what can Wake do after a bye week. That's been sort of a a boogeyman for for Wake. Like I don't I don't understand really why they've had these issues. Excuse me. After after a bye week, but it's just been something that, I mean, even last year they still won after the bye week, but they they came back. They came they came back to. I remember counting the 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 players at Army last last year, and just said, so many players are just out like I, I think I counted like 11 12 guys that were still playing and they were just they were just not they were just not a they just I don't know what happened they everyone just got injured randomly and I was just really confused and after buys has been where they've kind of had these sort of like derpy games whether it's Louisville a couple years ago like Wake is just we could just not perform very well after bye weeks. And I think this would be a good stepping stone for them to say, this is a team you should go out there and you should beat by 20 plus points. I am personally laying the 19 points, 19, 20 and a half, wherever it ends up landing. I mean, it ends up landing around 22, 23. I took it at 19. I took it again at 20. I think this is a, a stepping stone of you saying, the theme for me this year, I know, I know the theme of the season has been mindset. I think the team, the, the theme for me for this year has been growth. And I think one of the biggest ways of growth is getting the monkey off your back and, and going out there and handling business after a bye week. That's something you have not done during Dave Clawson's tenure here. I don't know why, but that is something you have not done the entire time underneath Dave Clawson. It's always been some sort of funky game. And I think this will be a big stepping stone especially given who you have coming up after that. I mean, NC State without Devin Leary isn't exactly, you know, murderous row, but you're still having to go to Raleigh. You're still having that. Don't you? It's no longer maybe a game that you are just like, we got to circle it in the calendar or anything, but it's still a good opponent. And after that, you have UNC and what essentially might be the planned game to the Orange Bowl if you keep, if you keep playing like this. But this is going to be something like, look, we need to just take care of business this week. This is no nonsense. We can't overlook our opponent. We can't go out there and say, ah, you know, it's Boston College. They look bad, whatever. No, this is every single week. It's, a, it's that one week mindset of saying, this is what we have to do in order to get to our goals. And what are, what's our goal right now? Our goal right now is to go one and zero every week. And right now, we're not we're not going one and zero. We need we're zero and zero. We have to go be one and zero. So I'm. Mean, it's it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting test because while you're not playing. Well, I think you still have your hands full with a team like this because I think a, a guy like Zay Flowers can beat you. 
uh, you're 20 point favorites for a reason. You got to be able to beat yourself, not beat yourself. And I think that's going to be a very big aspect for this team moving forward is can you avoid beating yourself? Did we get, did we get the brain fart game out of the way with Liberty or is there another one in the chamber? I think that the, that it, that the brain fart game was the Liberty game, but I, I want them to sit here and prove that. I want you to sit there and say, this is where we grew up. We This is our moment to establish ourselves that last year wasn't a fluke. We're going to sit here. We're going to finish out the season. You know, so that was something they did last year. They finished out a season, but we're going to sit here and we're going to finish out a season with something that we don't, we haven't normally done this entire tenure of Dave Clawson. And I think not a blemish, but it's the one thing I think he wants to do better at and that's it's why he makes a lot of references to you know that 20 that 2019 season I think that 2019 season hurt him a lot because they had a really good team and then injuries and just a whole bunch of other stuff just derailed that program derailed the season same thing with 2020 with COVID I think they were set up pretty well even after the BNC State and the Clemson and the Clemson losses to open the year they were still set up to have some pretty some pretty good years and then a pretty good year and then you know COVID and the UNC loss just really just Humble the rest of the season for them. They they, they want to be a program that sustains and make it. They want to be able to keep on to these recruits. There, you got Miami, you have FSU, you have USC, you have Michigan, you have all these top teams. You got Bama sniffing around. You have these guys that are coming out here. These these teams that are coming out here and sniffing around your prospects. You know how you keep those prospects? You win. It, the, the nil at a certain point, you know, matters here and there. At the end of the day. What for what week's selling? You have to win, and what the and games like this that you're playing on Saturday, those are games that you have to sit there and say, "Cool, we took care of business." I think there will be a ton of recruits coming in. I've had a few recruits already hit me up saying that um, they'll be in they'll be in town for the BC game. I think they're going to try and get a couple of guys, whether they're flip, trying to flip prospects or not. I think I think there will be some some twenty there will be some twenty three guys there that uh, that'll be notable. Some twenty four guys that I think will be notable as well. Um, I don't want to allude to any flip guys yet, but I think they're going to try like hell to get some guys in for the BC game. So I think that's, they want to make this a spectacle and they want to make this a game that is, they, they want to, they want to prove a point in this game. So with all that, really have been appreciating you guys listening to the podcast. We've been just, again, just breaking numbers that I've even been setting for ourselves and been kind of loftier goals. of you guys listening to us really, really happy with what you guys have been showing support. As always, feel free to please download, uh, leave five-star reviews wherever you can. It really does help us out. It makes people like Bud Elliott not yell at me. Love you, Bud, if you listen to this. Um, and as always, go Deeks.